0: What is the one that goes through the mountains? Which is the highway 64, uh, 64. Not- 64? four.
1: Sixty four? Yeah. That that was that was a fun experience, especially during the winter sometimes. Yeah. Um but we so yeah, I used to I commuted from Charlottesville. But uh it was it was pretty I mean that was a great experience too, because I got to my third year I interned at UVA. Oh great. Uh got to know some UVA faculty. Um was a research assistant for Julian Bond, which was wow, that's a amazing. really cool experience. Yeah. So the commute was Hard, but it was certainly well worth
2: it. Yeah, I was in Charlottesville for the first time this summer, um, staying with a friend of the show, Dahlia Lithwick, mm, and mm. her wonderful family. Um,
0: it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Man, it's yeah, beautiful, it beautiful there. And the university campus is gorgeous. Yeah. Truly.
2: Yeah. Um, um, big
1: foodie town, too, which I think it's a little... People uh,
2: don't really give it... You know what people it call to. it? People call it the Athens of Virginia. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's what they call it. That's charming. we, used, we used to call that's what it, I've heard.
1: We used to call it the cha- Chapel Hill in the Mountains. <laughs> <laughs> or, well, UNC, um, there's a tradition. You can't call it UVA. Uh, you have to call it Mr. Jefferson's University to the north because there was a longstanding rivalry between UVA and, and UNC that... Um,
2: hmm. I did not know this. Yeah. Interesting. I thought he yeah. went by Mr. Hemmings. <laughs> no that was one of his bastards who went <laughs> sorry, by mr hemmings can I, I can I leave that in the, i don't i don't know can i leave that in the show Joe? yeah that's
0: not a swear word that's
2: just a that's a descriptive no term. not you no my, my my little funny the mr Hemings thing is that okay Are absolutely people be, am I, okay. Offend people I thought you were
0: complaining about my use of the word bastard no
2: that's okay because that's in game of thrones <laughs> that's what that's in game of thrones so that's okay Oh, okay yeah uh, sorry. is that our rule yeah, anything in Game of Thrones you can talk okay. about. No, that's absolutely not so the rule. So I will
0: hereafter call you Meister Paisal. <laughs> it's absolutely not the rule. can't see your actual mouth over there. I can't, and I can't see yours. We, it we, is me, it, you know what it conveys to me is how much I rely on lip reading, because I'm hearing a parrot. Um, and when I can't see someone's mouth, it is harder to hear them. Oh, I'm
2: sorry. Yeah, that's... See, we got, we got to get our mic situation sorted. Yeah, we really do. We really do. So part of the reason we're blocked... We're recording, is, right? Yeah, we're recording. Yeah. Part of the reason this is blocked is that... um. Otherwise, we get echoes off of the mics. These are, you know, these are good mics, but they're not uh, the kind that block out all the sound except what's close. And you know,
0: you can hear it. It's not what you call a world class microphone, especially this
2: one. Oh no, yeah, this one's super cheap. No, that's definitely the turd in the punch bowl. Totally, <laughs> As I say. Uh,
0: which is why it's near me. <laughs> um, all right, we're gonna get to our guest in a minute. I'm gonna. Uh, uh, I, have bu- some, I have some. some. Uh, Do you have some follow up? I have some shout out to fan of the show Dan. Oh really, fan Dan. <laughs> Dan the fan, Dan the fan. <laughs> i'll get to it soon is there is uh, there uh <laughs> is there particular follow up there he is, is he, a shout out uh, it's a shout out and it's a follow up because Dan really enjoyed uh, our discussion with Bernie mailer and he especially really? enjoyed the fact that unlike you I and think me, that's, it's it's again it's Bernie miler Bernie miler excuse me yeah um uh <laughs> it's truly i it's I, it was an honest mistake um, <laughs> no. in any event she uh she was articulating these interpretive methodologies. We were talking to this person last week and uh, Dan found her interpretive methodologies, which are a bit more constrained than I think either mine or yours, certainly yours. Uh, And, uh, and he found that quite congenial to his own views. It was very challenging and interesting and fun. Um, And he thinks you and I are just loosey goosey and probably going right to hell, but that's not all that important. No, Um,
2: no. I, I, have got to finish
0: writing this thing, Joe yeah i don't have he, my thing out and so people don't you you think it's
2: lucy it's not lucy goosey I,
0: I and i said the same thing i feel like my views are actually more restrained but they're prudential they're not as formulaic not that right. bernie's was formulaic oh absolutely not hers is very very interesting but it is. Hers, all right we, we can't redo the whole thing but, but dan the fan said totally awesome loved it <laughs> listener dan the fan I listener think dan we, the we listener use honorifics
2: fan. we use honorifics on the show indeed <laughs> and so uh he's great so thanks dan that feedback. Okay. And, and um,
0: where can people Where can people send How much feedback more feedback
2: something? do you want to do before we have to cut no, it off? No, I just off.
0: want to know where they can send it when they have some.
2: OralArgumentPodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's OralArgumentPodcast at gmail.com. Awesome. Obviously. <laughs> Thank you, Darcy. <laughs> obviously, no funny business. I told you that would happen. No funny business, just all lowercase, all one word, no yeah, special characters. Exactly. Um, Please. Yeah. Is there any other feedback? That was it. There's nothing involving like Matthew Butterick. There's nothing involving monkey selfies. There's no speed trap hate. There's no... Nothing. Feels like we got something though. I've had a few students come up who've been listening to the show. Really?
0: Yeah. It it seems to be spreading like wildfire. Students don't talk to me about it. And I think that indicates that they find my performance on... They find it lacking. Oh, no. no. Because no. students don't ever come up to me about it. No, no, no. You're improving, Joe. Students stay away like <laughs> you've been to... saying. You're, you're getting better all the time. <laughs> I know. And soon I'll be good enough for them to publicly acknowledge I exist. And <laughs> I look forward to that. However, oh, so until that happens, stay away.
2: Assignment for student listeners. Find Joe in the hallway. Please don't. Tell him you are an oral argument mega fan. I feel like we need, like, you know how, um, I, you know, I forget. What's, what's the name of that? awful radio host. Anyway, whatever his name is, you know how they have that thing about dittos and stuff like that? Mm, Every, mm. you know, I forget. It's, somebody's not important. But the... Uh, You're not saying I look like him, are you? No. Okay. No. No, absolutely not. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Michael Stipe once said about him, I think he asked in an interview, if he wrote a song about this particular gentleman, what it would be called, and, he's, and he thought for a minute and he said, puff at her.
0: Mm. My, is, my, I think my title would be Job of the Hut for you. If for no. this, see, I knew you were comparing me to him. <laughs> no, for, I, you said my man. title.
2: You said my title. I don't.
0: My title oh, of okay. a song about the other guy because yeah,
2: I, I didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense. I think sense. we need to
0: take this in a whole more wholesome direction. Please. I think yeah, this
2: entire section I'm just going to cut out. Yeah, cut this cut, out. Cut it right out. Uh, um, wh- where were you going with this? Something about the radio host. Oh yeah, if you see Joe in the hallway, oh. right? We, we, we need like a little thing our fans can say, which like you know it shows you like a code phrase. Yeah, and 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 I hate saying the word fans because this is a community, Joe. It this is. is not like it is. This is not like we're the stars and other people are listeners. This is this is the oral argument community. Yes, and people need to be able to like signal each other.
0: Like if, if we had a tick jar, we could call them donors.
2: <laughs> that is true. That is true. If you really want to be in the community, you just send us a lot of cash. <laughs> That's a surefire way. We should, you know, we have to talk sometime about whether we will ever put out a tip jar just we for do like hosting to, fees and stuff. That. The hosting fees are not trivial, but they're also not. It's not hugely expensive, but you right. know, people. It's on want zero. To feel, it's above zero. People may, yeah, people may want to feel like they want to be a part of something. Right. All right. Let's. All right. So this. Once we start talking about that, people are definitely going to turn it off exactly. and skip. So but we have a guest this
0: week. Don't we turn do. it off.
2: We do. Um. And uh. Our guest is from right here at UGA. Um, over at Spia, which is what Spia stands for what?
1: Uh, School of Public and International Affairs.
2: Okay. And uh, and our guest Anthony, how do you say your last name?
0: Kreis. Kreis. Okay. I was I thought it was probably so Which is, is how a- it's spelled by the way. Yeah. Yes. K R E I S. Yes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I want to thank you for pronouncing your name correctly. I, oh, what wait. I thought you
2: I thought you said that Ethan pronounced his name correctly. You're going
0: to accuse me of of making that uh, view anyway, so I might as well commit the crime since right. I'm going to get accused. Well, it's Ethan Lieb and Anthony Christ, right? E- and- Interestingly, though they are spelled the same way, which is right. E and then I. It
2: just shows, you know, potato, potato in the United States. Exactly. You be who you want to be, right? Now, to, You know the next line of that is, let's call the whole thing off? <laughs> that's that's the line our listeners just said right as they hit the stop, <laughs> right as they hit the stop button. <laughs> Oh what a, what a week! Oh, it has what a week. been a week. Okay, so it's uh, Friday, but we're lucky because we have Anthony yeah, here. We're going to help we're us sort through the, some things. Exactly. So, um, so, so Anthony, you're a PhD student, right? I am, and you, you're actually interested in becoming a law professor, right? Yeah, that's that's the eventual goal. All
0: right. So this is, which l- means you also have a JD. I do. So yeah. you have you already have a doctoral degree of a sort. Now you're getting another one. Go, right, going for two, double doc.
1: Absolutely, double
2: doc, and. Uh, and, and so you're interested. What? What? Just tell us. I mean, why, why not? You don't have to do the CV, but just like, what are your like top line interests in 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 law?
1: Um. So I do a lot of work or stuff with administrative law yeah. legislation. Um. But right now, a uh, lot of LGBT issues because that's interesting and it's contem- you know contemporarily important. Yeah. Uh. You know what? Why not attack something that's uh, you know, only going to be. At the forefront of of the news once in your life, and that's and that's so,
2: yeah, and that's like your academic interest, but also like your um um uh, activist interest too. Yeah, right? yeah. so
1: uh, you know, I do I do a lot of rec- a lot of writing on not only LGBT issues but religious liberty issues, um and and the intersection thereof. Um, and again, I think that's just fueled by what's going on in the world and, and right. whatnot. But, um, you know, certainly have a lot of more broad, broad interests in legal history, which certainly inform my work. I like using legal history to understand contemporary issues, mm-hmm. um, you know, which I think, Really relevant, particularly what's going on this week. Uh, yeah, always, always looking at legal history to understand why things are the way they are um, in modern day law and, and society.
2: Uh, we, we need to get you on the show one time with the world's greatest legal historian, who's been on the show before.
1: He has but friend the, of the
0: show, Logan the, Sawyer.
2: The, yeah, Logan Sawyer, oh, friend yeah, of the show, of world's greatest legal historian
1: and a UNC alum. That's true. Oh, That's no. true. Yes.
2: It, all we have to do is get a fourth mic, and then we can have. He Log- can use this crummy thing. Well, but we, but where? Which one are you going to use, Joe? We're going to get the,
0: the the new one. Yeah, the I'm going to use yeah.
2: that one. Yeah, We have a Kickstarter to buy a new mic. But um, <laughs> uh, so you're familiar with Logan, right? From uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so you're interested in legal history. You're interested in admin law, LGBT issues, um, and you worked for the Human Rights Campaign for a I, while too. I did. Right?
1: So for two years, I uh, was on the Atlanta, uh, basically the Atlanta division of HRC, hmm. um, doing okay. a lot of grassroots lobbying work in the Georgia legislature, um, some stuff on the federal level, but predominantly working on state and local issues, non-discrimination laws, things like that.
2: And, and so I, I got to know Anthony, uh, on, uh, on Twitter. Um, I don't, I don't remember when I followed you exactly, but somehow found you, maybe you followed me and I followed you or, or, or somehow you're retweeted. I, I forget mm. how these things begin, but, um, but you're an amazing resource on Twitter. Like, you're always on the lookout for good info. Like, a high signal to noise ratio. I
1: well, would say. I, I, I call it my dissertation log. You know, I just, <laughs> you, know, right. you know, people make fun of me a lot because they say, oh, you tweet all the time. You know, shouldn't you be writing? And I say, well, you know what? I am writing, but um, I also am cataloging all these great resources that i will later reference and talk about so So instead
2: of writing it on an index card you've got these resources on your twitter tweet
1: and and i can share it with the world so i figured why not why not do a, a service to folks who might be interested in you know not keep it to myself completely yeah so Which
0: to me is what the uh that's the good part of the academy this is one of the luxuries that we have actually is that we can communicate more broadly with folks and share information and we don't need to worry about oh i uh, but i want to appropriate the return on that information investment blah 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 you don't need to worry about that really hmm? yeah interesting what No, i just hadn't
2: heard you say that before are you kidding are you no it's me? just like you know the, the blah 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 they appropriate what you say appropriate return on the investment is that what in the information yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah well that was my ip professor voice yeah. yeah not my voice but my that if i were in the ip class someone would you would talk about appropriating the returns yeah. on the investment information that's why we have ip law
2: but you know as academics you know you got to have the just the freedom to put stuff out there and, and it's useful to yeah. people.
0: It educates people. It helps people. That's yeah. why it's a great thing to do.
1: Well, well, I, th- I think it's great too, because you get to connect with other academics as well. Right. right. And and that's, I mean, there's so many f- really smart folks who I get to interact with on a, on a daily basis almost mm-hmm. who I otherwise would. And some other folks. From, and some other <laughs> folks. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> I, but it, you know, to me it's like, it's like a daily symposium, you know, yeah, I, I get yeah. to go and it's I get so to great. learn. And there's certain, you know, I would, great stuff on on topics that i normally wouldn't know anything about um or wouldn't think necessarily to read more about so right. you know i mean there's been stuff you know the monkey selfies but I, I probably wouldn't have would have gone over my or under my radar had i not been yeah. on twitter and seen people writing and talking about it yeah. and you know it, it may not necessarily have been something that i would have
2: it's a caught. fine it's a fine balance i, mean, I balance it's, maybe that's a cliche but um I feel like at some point we should do another show about the use of Twitter and these meetings, because, um, you know, the scarce resource that we have is our time and attention, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, so the criticism that you shouldn't be on Twitter, you should be doing, you know, writing a dissertation, comes from a place of having an assumption about uh, how you're spending that scarce resource of your attention and your time. And as you point out, you're able to use it basically like, you know, academics of your might have used a, a, a folder full of index cards and things, right? This is just, uh, and some other stuff, right? It's also the right. chance to have water cooler conversation. And and it's like that whole physical right. academic world on a, a particular medium. Um, and the fact know, that it has
0: global reach is really exciting.
2: Yeah. So it opens up all these possibilities. and But I feel like, you know, our generation is still trying to figure out how to spend those, that scarce resource of our time with these amazing possibilities. You know, it'd almost be like if if someone invented all of a sudden a teleporter just from nowhere and you could teleport anywhere, like how would you use that? Like if suddenly you could go anywhere, like, and now your time, you know, it's time is still a scarce resource, but you can experience anything and any place on earth. Like, how would you reorient your whole attitude towards existence? Well, you know, I, I don't mean to say that like Twitter is quite as profound as that, but maybe the internet is almost as profound as that because all of the barriers to communicating with people who want to communicate with you are basically gone. You can, you know, it. it, it we're no longer in the world where if you want to talk to someone across the country, you have to tell people to be quiet because you're on long distance. You know, you, it's it's just there,
0: and 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 well, even so- the show is a form is another way to use a communications medium that didn't exist the fact that this equipment's cheap enough for us to have and that we can broadcast this thing out i mean it's amazing you yeah you're giving fuel to the enemies of progress joe <laughs> 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 giving a good counter example to the anyway hey. yeah
2: well all right so we should get to the main topic for today yes because, let's uh, do that because i i thought uh that um and i reached out to you really last minute anthony because um this stuff is uh I would say you know it flared up this week, really. So, yeah, so really the, the topic we're going to talk about is that the, uh, as most people know, the Supreme Court denied cert in a um, Virginia case uh, out of the Fourth Circuit, uh, in which the the court. Um,
0: there were multiple be- cases. Yeah, did they? De- Quite yeah, there five. were, there were five. Okay. five, and they states. denied
2: cert in all of them. Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm sorry, my brain is is a not working and b going to what I want to talk about next, which is the. Chaos in South Carolina, but um, there's chaos among, in other places among, too. Among other states, yeah, among, right? it, there's <laughs> a particular kind of chaos in each state, though, right? I'm from South Carolina, and so ah, I have people hence in my the Facebook, yeah, yeah, I have some people in my Facebook feed who are like curious about it, and just the weirdness there seems a little bit different than in other places, and um, right. But yeah. anyway, we're going to get into all of that. And I want to hear because you've been following this, I think, m- much more closely than I have, Anthony, and and maybe Joe, you've been following it too. Um, but anyway, there are a whole bunch of cases basically turning. Uh, um, uh, um, striking down gay marriage bans. Were all of these constitutional state constitutional bans or some of them were statutory or what do you know?
1: Indiana was a, was a statute. Um, so that, that off the top of my head, yeah, that was the, Indiana was the only one that was statutory. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the other cases, Utah was a, a ban as was Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin of course had the domestic partnership. So they had a little bit of a different flavor to their, um, their situation. Um, this and is, then,
2: Wisconsin had a separate but equal regime. Is that it, what you're saying? I
1: wouldn't even call it that. Um, it wasn't quite civil unions even. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was It was definitely separate, light, though. But it was certainly separate. Okay. Um, and then Virginia, which has one or had one of the strictest um, bans uh, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, completely limit for, you know, foreclosing the opportunity to either enact marriage equality or mm-hmm. uh, some type of civil unions or reciprocal benefits. Right. Um, and we're
2: talking, <laughs> just to be clear, we're talking gay marriage here and not interracial marriage, right? Cause Correct. okay. Cause right. Virginia also has a track record with that, right? It does. <laughs> well, I mean, the most does. famous, the most famous
0: case in this area, you know, loving versus Virginia, right? right. Um, right. Although not the first case, even not the first case at the Supreme court on the question of interracial marriage. That was some years before, but
2: which didn't come out quite as propitiously. I think
1: there, there were a couple of, I mean, there, so there was of course the McLaughlin case, which was from Florida, mm-hmm. um, which had to do with interracial uh, cohabitation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if I recall correctly, the plaintiffs really were hoping to strike down Florida's marriage ban. Um, but the court took a much more narrower approach and 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 only striking down the the cohabitation uh, prohibitions
2: and and so the we were so the the way we're left this week um why don't you i don't know if one of you guys wants to do this because my my head is all swimmy i gotta admit to it um but um should i cut that out (laughs) yes long week uh who wants to who wants to uh basically summarize uh, the the two cases yeah the two cases um uh, from was it last term or the term before? I can't even remember now.
0: Oh, we're not going to go back that far. Come on, really? Well, that's see, see that's, that's what that's why I'm saying my head is all swinging. So, like, all right, put let, it me into do, context, let me like, do that How did we get fair, here?
2: How do we get here? That's let me do question.
0: that super fast, and then I'll hand it over to Anthony for this week's five denials. So, go ahead. Last yeah. year we had. Um, was it just a, last year? A, yeah, that's the amazing Man, thing. That's a thing. And I, it's, and I bet yeah. I bet political scientists are every bit as agog at the pace of this change as lawyers are, because it is. I mean, you get windburned just thinking about it. So last year, United States against Windsor was uh, a case about uh, the uh, Defense of Marriage Act, so-called, the federal statute prohibiting the feds from recognizing uh, marriages performed in the states. That was a case out of New York, which recognized the marriage, but the feds did not recognize it, even though it was valid under uh, as a matter of New York state law. And the court concludes that's not appropriate um it's anthony kennedy so you have some sort of let's mix in some federalism let's mix some some human dignity uh let's mix in some um slightly gassy language and ba-boom you have a constitutional uh you can't do that all right and right. Then the other one is uh, the perry case that's the one for california which is kind of up down and sideways about the proposition 8 and blah 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 and the court decided. this 8, this was, this was a, a, a citizen initiated constitutional ban on marriage. Right, which itself overturned what had been an earlier judicial determination that as an equal protection matter under the California state constitution, marriage equality was the law of California. Right. So you've got this sort of, you know, California sort of parorating around and doing one thing, then doing another. However, uh, my recollection of that one is the court says, you know, we're not, there's a standing problem here for these private parties who want to take up the cudgel dropped by the California. California State Attorney General Kamala Harris and no isn't that what they mm-hmm. yeah uh, so I'm taking way too long this is not no, interesting is, at all this right? is the best this the best thing we've ever recorded oh my god it's such an indictment of the other things <laughs> um, so now we get to this week where pending at the Supreme Court were appeals from cert petitions from uh, lower court opinions all of which had rejected as contrary to the constitution uh prohibitions on same-sex marriage uh uh what i would call you know rejections of marriage equality those were right. all struck down uh by these circuit courts of appeal including by the very you know piquant and delightful judge posner in an opinion we talked about at length with the different guests Lori, ringan yeah. uh and now they're all that's, there that's the, right, go, the, that's, Supreme the court. that's the
2: go figure opinion
0: yeah, go figure. Go figure. Um, <laughs> and uh, and 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 the court had stayed. What's weird is, as they're sitting there waiting for the big conference at the end of September for the beginning of the term in October, the court had stayed those cases. So even though the lower courts had struck down those marriage equality prohibitions, uh, they weren't. Those opinions were not allowed to go into effect. People weren't getting married because the court had said. Hold your horses. We need to figure out what we're going yeah, to do. Let's get back from and vacation. Let's happens. have a
2: chance to vote on this right. and see whether we're going to take Which these cases. Which makes you think, maybe they're thinking, they'll take one of not, these not, cases. Not all of our listeners know. So the, um, the Supreme Court works by not hearing every appeal from every uh, um, mid-level... Uh, appellate courts less so than one percent the united states the system works there receive. are trial courts which are called district courts there are intermediate courts of appeal where you appeal from the trial court those right. are called the united states courts of appeals so They're the divided state supreme ge- courts derided, divided geographically and, and and then there is the united states supreme court and the united states supreme court unlike the courts of appeals does not have to hear cases it has the the power to hear or to deny and you hear the phrase deny cert that's just denying the the appeal i think everybody knows this i'm just saying what everybody knows right. but maybe
0: it makes you feel good to Here's something, you say, I already but, know that. But you left out the state Supreme Court. So there yes, are not only decisions of the U.S. Courts of Appeals, there can be decisions of the state Supreme Courts, or even state lower courts, if they're on a federal question.
2: If, if there's been a denial by the state Supreme Court. right? It has to work through the state system first, I think.
0: Yeah, if that's where the issue is yeah, being yeah. Uh, litigated. But, um, but so there we are, it's Monday morning. But let right? me just say this, Joe, before you... Before you I'm building the drama
2: and I, you keep want it. I just want to, I'm worried you're going to... You're going to say how many votes it takes to take cert? Oh, no. How See, many? that's what I was going to... So, yeah, so there are nine just justices, smarty. right? There are nine justices. And so to win to win a case in the Supreme Court's, Court, you need to get to five. And you can do that by, you know, getting different coalitions together. To win and, on the merits. Yeah, to win on the merits. But to grant review, To get a case heard, mm, you only need four. four. So if four justices vote to say, you know what, this is a case we're going to hear, then they will grant cert. In, in in that case, and right. then there will be an oral argument and all the stuff people are familiar with with uh, Supreme Court cases. If they de- can't get to four, they deny cert, in which case the ruling of the court below stands, whether that, that is, as you say, Joe, the state Supreme Court or it's the uh, court, court of, of Appeals. Appeals sorry, now, if it's the Court of Appeals, as it was, say, in Virginia, uh, uh, the Fourth Circuit— um, that's a court of appeals that covers the geographic area, including what Virginia, Maryland, North Carolina, and South Carolina. Do I have that right? And West Virginia, West Virginia. and West Virginia, and West Virginia. Um, and so that ruling is the federal law in the in region. those areas in yeah. of that region. Um, and the, because the Supreme Court has denied review, the ruling stands. And uh, so that that's the effect of this. Go on, continue to build tension, Joe. <laughs>
0: continue. Uh, yes, please Catherine. proceed, um, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> Uh so on following on your four vote riff yeah you might have thought uh from US against Windsor from Windsor you might have thought oh so there were four dissenters maybe they would all grant review given that they object to this notion of uh the federal statute being unconstitutional they probably object to the notion that the constitution requires marriage equality uh, therefore for there are four votes for review right there, and in right? particular since sort one of a no brainer since part of
2: since since a good chunk of windsor was uh federalism like you know let's not uh, the problem with the federal law was that it displaced state judgments about marriage right, in a very prerogates. unusual way sure. like that doesn't at all imply according to uh some right uh sclia not being one of them interestingly it doesn't at all imply that state bans. Right. On uh, on marriage are therefore unconstitutional. So as you say, it had a couple of parts to it. It's this individual equality part, which harkens yeah. back to Lawrence and the the freedom to be free of uh, of, of criminal laws against, uh, right. especially so gay Romer against a. Evans and Lawrence against, yeah, against Texas. And you've got
0: this line of thinking. So, but you would think so. So that's the other group of four, right? You think you might get the four dissenters. You also might think that among the five, you could round up four people who would want a grant review to affirm to say yes, the Constitution does protect. Through the Fourteenth Amendment, a right to marriage equality, which would be a very traditional function of the Supreme Court. You know,
2: once you have uh, federal, once you have um, on 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 an issue that is thought to be in the zone of constitutional rights, a consensus among a lot of states. Right. The Supreme Court's traditional function has been to come in and clean up the laggard states. This was the case with uh, with interracial marriage. It was the case with other kinds of rights.
0: Um, and and, let, me just, and, let me make one more point and yeah. then we need to be quiet because anthony is has so much information to impart and you're ruining it <laughs> <laughs> I, I, let me make I one ruin more point everything joe i know i ruin the, everything i've it, been told that before an argument that. for why the issue was very very important even though none of the lower courts had disagreed with each other on the ultimate conclusion here's that argument in these cases as anthony's already explained in virtually all of them, the court, the federal court, is striking down a state constitutional provision. So those courts are setting up a clash between the citizens of those states and their view of what their state constitution should require. That's being invalidated. That's a very significant question, right? Does the federal constitution override this state constitutional provision? Right. And that's important, even if none of the courts disagree among themselves that it should come out a particular way. So the argument you need to grant review is really strong, even without a circuit split. So, Anthony, now it's Monday morning. What happened? So, well, I want to take it back just a little bit before Monday, probably. Cool. Um, And correct any
2: errors that uh, Joe made. (laughs) You don't have time to correct the ones
0: Christian made.
1: (laughs) So, so I think first and foremost that the, the, Prevailing thought amongst most folks was that uh, everyone was going to wait for the, for the Sixth Circuit because uh, Judge Sutton, in oral arguments, had seemed to really grapple with the arguments presented to him in the consolidated cases from Michigan. Tennessee and Kentucky. Um, he had a lot of issues with the federalism component and this idea of, well, this natural social change is happening. Should the courts get involved? It is a lot of these kind of institutional role of the courts type mm-hmm. questions going on. Um, in fact, at one point, one of the lawyers for the states, I think it was Tennessee now or Michigan, um, had talked about You know, while the states had come to the consensus by, by the time Loving had been decided that they were, you know, that there was this consensus that interracial marriage was okay and that, um, the courts had let it play out, which I thought was quite comical and ahistorical.
2: Um, have you ever listened, by the way, to the oral argument in Loving versus Virginia?
1: I don't know if I
2: have. I'm going to actually. link it up in the show notes. Yeah. It's I've at OEA.org, right? You yeah, you can it, listen to it's it there. On, yeah. It's about a, it's two hours, but mm-hmm. it is you know people should listen to that. You know, and, they anyway,
1: should. yeah So so you know you you, you had this I I I don't want to say prevailing view, but certainly a dominant view that Sixth Circuit outcome was was not certain. Um, and I, and I think most people thought that the court was just going to hold on to the cert petitions until the Sixth Circuit. Had had issued a decision because had the Sixth Circuit issued a decision uh, striking down the marriage bans, um, you, know, you certainly could see the court going one way or the other. It could either be a complete green light to take up the cases and affirm everything um, with even you know with a really unified front from the, the lower courts, um, or on the other hand, you could you could see the circuit split and then you would have to resolve it. Um, uh, so I – so almost everyone was certain that the petitions would be, if not accepted, um, at least held for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question I think now on Monday when we get these denials out of nowhere um, – and I think also interestingly Justice Scalia was kind of gloating the week before when someone asked him about it and he said, well, I know and you'll you'll know soon what's going to happen with the case is something that – Oh, effect. really? I did not see that. Yeah, yeah he, he
2: was uh, – yeah <laughs> such a um, jerk which Yo, now <laughs> i have to cut that now joe why <laughs> you can't insult the justice like that he <laughs> he might be listening he, he is trolling though mm. totally Let's face it, he knows he's trolling just totally. if you're and i am too you you know that you're trolling come on our show we'll talk about it and, yeah he's yeah. welcome on the show anytime anytime it's as so oh, long yeah. as it fits with our schedule <laughs> <laughs> but he's t- so he this is like the
0: you know so it's people, very surprising they deny review he, in so, all these so cases they deny it's th- quite surprising yeah so so here we and are marriages start uh, happening
1: well and, and and i think what's what's interesting too um you know you had justice ginsburg Who for a long time now, and she was at the University of Minnesota Law School not too long ago, a couple weeks Mm -hmm. ago, and she made the Roe analogy again and, and saying, you know, the court has, has a history or particularly with Roe, um, you know, Roe was right in its outcome, but it was too quick, too much, too soon. Um, and and so she, she's making this, making this analogy, uh, with these big social change issues that the courts need to be um, you know, delicate, or at least cognizant of the fact that people may not
2: re- react. to... Do you think to, this uh, fits with that? Because just to, just to make sure, by the it's way, crystal that clear. might not
0: even be true, right? Linda Greenhouse and Reva Siegel have done great right. work demonstrating that there's it, there's actually quite a bit of a critique you could make of that conventional story. I don't know the story much, that Roe went yeah, too fast. Yeah, we can talk about this, but I think just to uh, you know, so what happened here is let's just take the
2: Fourth Circuit as an example. You could take the tenth right. as well, but um, the Fourth Circuit denies. Uh, The the Fourth Circuit overturns the marriage ban in Virginia. The Supreme Court says, you know what, we're not going to hear the case. They don't get four votes to hear the case, which means that that is the fact that that marriage ban is unconstitutional is the law in the Fourth Circuit, which means it's the law in all of the states in the Fourth Circuit. And so then the question is, well, can the South Carolina marriage ban possibly be constitutional if the Virginia ban was not? And there's no reason to think that those two bans are any different. And that is, as far as South Carolina should be concerned, the federal constitutional law. And so... um, i so what is what do you think ginsburg's I, I I mentioned that and try to lay that out very clearly because hmm. it's not as though the, so if the theory is that that it would be it would have been better for the um, abortion decision to be worked out by legislatures and the people and to allow this to kind of work itself out, like the appellate courts are kind of getting in the way of that with the same sex marriage because right. like you have to have a theory not of like popular sovereign sovereignty and people working things out in, in the policy-making legislative realm, you have to have a theory about why it would be bad for the Supreme Court to go so fast, and, yeah, and I, that I don't get as well.
1: I'm, like, I'm not, I'm not really sure that the analogy works for a lot of reasons. Um, I've made the argument, particularly to my my poor class. Um, yeah. I'm teaching a courts and social change seminar, which is timed very well. Apparently. Yeah, very well. Um, you know, I've made the argument to to my class at least that. Um, You know, we all thought, I think, that, or at least I did, that Windsor was like McLaughlin um, in the sense that, you know, McLaughlin was the precursor to loving. Windsor was this precursor to, you know, some big marriage decision um, that we would say, okay, loving and, you know, X, Y, Z decision. Yeah. Um, But I think what we're really seeing is, is this is the difference between Brown 1 and Brown 2. So mm-hmm. this is the cert denials are our Brown two. This is um, Brown
2: versus Board of Education, to be clear, yeah. So
1: so Brown one, of course, set the you know, the the um, you know, put forth the idea that separate but equal is not ever equal and, and yep. striking down the segregation of public schools, and then okay. brown two was all about the implementation.
2: And brown one said all deliberate speed,
1: right? No, brown brown two, two did. That was brown two. Okay. And so correct. this is see, see what I know. This yeah. to me is all deliberate speed. Yeah, and I and and mm. I, I I see this as Brown too. Now, more importantly, I've also made the argument to my poor class that this is Chief Justice Roberts, um Chief Justice Warren moment because the beauty I think perhaps in making this more of a Brown too than the next Loving is that you don't have a de- you don't have no dissents from mm. from Justice Scalia in particular or right. Alito. Um, you know, the court. We all know that they're not of one mind on this issue, but there's no, there were no, de- there's no dissent from the cert denials. Right. I mean, it was a very unified front. That
0: is a fact. This is a fantastic point. This is very interesting because mm-hmm. there was nothing stopping any of the people who didn't, uh, who who wanted to review. So there might, if there were three votes, right, for review, that would not be adequate to get it. But they could have dissented from the denial of cert. And that didn't happen either. Yeah. There was a big nothing burger. It's like denied and it's done. I'm I'm a little bit surprised by that. Just because externally I can
2: tell a story where the Supreme Court gains nothing on this particular issue where the demographics are so clear and the ultimate resolution of this, it's been, to me, it's been clear since 2005 when I started teaching. And I I think at that point I said within 10 years, because it's like, you just look at the demographics of the, it's just so obvious. So what's, what is the Supreme court to gain by another opinion that has these dissents in it railing, you know, basically right. ma- re- refighting the culture wars. But, but even the if ones that's th- the case, though, I was just going to say, if like, even if you have that external description, it doesn't explain why people were able to restrain themselves. That's, yeah, exactly yeah, right? right. That yeah. it's <laughs>
0: like those three people, if there were. And maybe there was... A, what's fascinating about this observation is what it suggests is that there were zero votes for review. Oh, you that, think? That, well, because if someone had really wanted them to take the case and they wanted to let off a little steam... They could have. They absolutely, There are there are denials from there are uh, dissents from the denial of cert all the time. Uh, we had a couple of this this yeah. week yeah. Uh, in the voting cases. of, You know, mm-hmm. Justice Ginsburg. I think it is. Those were dissents um, from the, denials the, of a stay, stay. I think. Yeah. But uh, but you you know. But I you mean, get, in, in, I this mean, happens still all the Justice White used to write yeah. dissents from the denial of it cert all happen, the time because yeah. he wanted to take lots of cases with circuit splits. That you absolutely could write that dissent, but none of them did. This is fascinating. I hadn't noticed that.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, like, I, there could have been zero votes I, for review. I, I mean, we, I, I've always believed that, you know, above all else, the chief justice is very much an institutionalist. Yeah. Um, and, and he's always, I think, been very concerned and cognizant of the, col- the court's legitimacy. Right. Um, and we saw that in the healthcare care cases yeah. and, and, you know, in the... Um, so i I think that in large part it 's a sense
2: of it 's a sense of institutional capital and and this is you know right. so robert if, if you 're listening write. if you 're listening you know you 're welcome on the show too, and you of can correct course. me about this any it, of them are welcome It sure on the show. does seem like uh there was um that that he saw how destructive uh striking down Obamacare would be for the court in the long run. And he bought an awful lot of institutional capital by ruling the way that he did, and it kind of cover you know it, right. it it averages out to you know I can't tell you how many liberals were saying "I want to buy Chief Justice Roberts a beer," even though he wrote <laughs> this opinion, which yeah to upheld Obamacare, which I don't think that like Actual conservatives care that much about. I mean, right. you know, the, the kind of conservative that, you know, and it, it had popular, this like, horrible they,
0: Commerce Clause stuff in it, which well, was not say horrible, him. but it's like it well, was a well, strong, was... strong
2: conservative holding on the Commerce Clause right. and on the spending and on the spending power. And and so that I, I agree with you. It seems like he is very much like aware of where it's almost like, you know, where are you going to concentrate your efforts to the extent you want to remake the kind of the, the constitutional uh, governance of the United States in. A more conservative image, which is also why I think,
1: I mean, not not to read too much into his Windsor dissent, the, the fact that he didn't join some of the, the more biting parts of Justice Alito and, and, and Justice Scalia's dissents, right. Talking particularly about tradition and history, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he was much more focused on the federalism component, right? Um, and, and so his 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 opinion was much more administrative in in flavor than it was really substantive about. You know, again, history and tradition, right. um, which I think was his way to try to give him an out, so that had the court taken up a marriage decision, he could have made it a six three decision, again being mindful of what a five four decision might make the court look like right. in such a historic case. Right. Um but this is his you know, he gets every he gets the best of all worlds here, I think, because he can preserve the institutional legitimacy of the court and not just the Supreme Court, but the courts as a you know the judiciary as an entire institution. Um and he can give signals to the other courts to kind of fall fall in line. Um, and they get this kind of semi-gradual, minimal approach um, in implementing the decision. Well, it's, I,
2: two things on that. So first of all, I, I wonder what you guys think about the fact that um, if your goal was to get gay marriage everywhere as soon as possible, this might actually do it faster than taking cert. Um, and this stuff in the news seems like it's like, you know, because it's a signal and people respond right. to the signal. But um, uh Secondly, um, uh, what was I going to say? I'm um, going
0: to cut this out. Brain's not working. Don't cut it out. So here's why the notion that you would get it faster by denying cert is um, preposterous. Oh, it's actually uh, <laughs> absolutely correct. No, uh, because um, I think I- I'm assuming that when they do take a case, and they eventually will, oh. uh, that the conclusion in that case will be, that marriage equality is required by the 14th Amendment. Uh, And and whether that happens this year or two years from now or one year from now or five years from now, when it happens, it's going to happen. So what they've left in place instead with these denials is a bunch of the country isn't covered right the 5th circuit there's no case yeah yeah, yeah there the yeah. 11th circuit where a, we live well there, right. there, there there is a case in the Fifth circuit so right? so there well, so in the trial court's not in the they're not in the appellate no, courts. no there
1: are now so so here here's where here's what i'm seeing so um first i i i'm sympathetic obviously being in georgia to the argument you know this these decisions, in large part, left large chunks of the of the country out, and that is certainly true. Cannot deny it, and it's wrong. But on the ha- other hand, had they taken cert, the stays would not have been lifted, um, and so no one would be getting married until July twenty fifteen anyway. Right. Right. Um, so now you have huge. You know, we'll, we'll be eventually very soon up to thirty five states. Yeah. Um,
0: where everyone
2: the, where would, the mandates are issuing now. Right, right. Right. The mandates meaning the actual effect of the ruling.
0: Uh, so you've got su- so you've got county clerks issuing right, licenses. Right. You've got so, people doing the ceremonies. So, so you've getting got
1: married. so you've got you know you you went from you know an, I forget now because it's been changing every day, <laughs> but you went from about twenty jurisdictions to right. thirty six or thirty five states in D C. Yeah. Um, and that, it, you know, those are people who can avail themselves of rights. Who, even if the court granted cert, would not have been availing themselves of those rights um, and responsibilities and privileges uh, and benefits until July right. twenty fifteen, assuming the court came out their way. Right. Um, and, and now you've got Florida has has a or has an appeal in the Eleventh Circuit waiting. Uh, the Eleventh Circuit gave them a, a month. Um, uh, to an extra month today I think it was today or yesterday um, but there's also a good chance that the Florida uh, the Florida judge in Tallahassee stayed his decision striking down the Florida marriage ban um, only until the point where the whether where the cert was either denied or where there was final resolution to these other appeals. So now, this is um, a state court judge or a federal court federal judge. judge. Okay. So he he is now. Um, there, the ACLU has a hearing next week about whether the, he should lift the stay in Florida. Oh, mm-hmm. um, so Florida might be the next state next week. Um, now that of course, Florida w- is a huge state. So Florida is a huge state.
0: Right, at least Texas, but I mean, the Eleventh Circuit might put a stay in place if he. Doesn't it, it might, stay but, like, but these cases are going to happen quickly, and,
2: and so right. so the, the point which I'd forgotten, I would forgotten—I don't know how I forgot it—but is it it about basically how the Supreme Court can go back from here. I, I think under this method, you might have gay marriage almost everywhere in the United States by February,
1: right? Which is quicker than had they granted cert and right. then rendered a decision in, in the last week and of it, June. and it
2: kind of happens by default. Like, who are you going to blame? You can't and, blame you can, right. You can't blame the Supreme Court. You got to blame like. Like you're going to protest against the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals? Like average, you know, more, right, normal right. people don't even know what that and, is. And, and there's some right?
1: state courts too that are that are in the mix. Yeah, so yeah. you have Arkansas, Mi- Mississippi, Texas, um, and, and Louisiana, which all now have uh, cases before their state supreme courts, mm. um, or I should say courts of last resort in, in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, they now. Whether or not they'll even, you know, reach the merits of the Arkansas probably will. The others might wait for the Fifth Circuit because the Fifth Circuit has now expedited um, the the appeal from Texas. Um, So, so you're, I I think you might see action in particularly in the Fifth Circuit pretty quickly. And the Sixth Um, Circuit
0: hasn't ruled yet. Back to Judge Sutton as you mentioned, and Um, and,
1: you know that case is now over two months. Right. yeah, waiting. You know, so I, that could come out. Any that could day. come out any day. I mean, there, there's been plenty of folks who, this entire week, have been, myself included, been on the Sixth Circuit and website. And this is on the and, panel, and right? Just to be clear for the
2: listeners, like when when you have a case in front of a United States Courts of Appeals, which is again the intermediate level of appeal, um, it's typically heard by a three judge panel. Of, uh, uh, of a circuit court which has anywhere from what I don't know what the fewest is, uh, and it depends Probably on how you count circuit, actives or whatever, but uh, you know, 10, 12 or so to the Ninth Circuit, which I, I don't know how many. Does it have like almost three dozen? No, it's it's I don't know huge.
1: How, I mean, they, yeah. when they have on the they, don't, but even, anyway, they, they take, don't even sit in the There's a
2: random, court. basically it's a random process yeah, which puts yeah. three judges together, but but there's another appeal you can take from that. You can, you can uh, petition... From the panel to the right, whole court. You can petition if you get a bad ruling, the one you don't like from the panel... To have the entire court, at least all the active judges and their rules about how that works, uh, hear the case. And it's like, it's called an in-bank or in-bonk, depending on... Has uh, anyone a, 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 done that? in bank as Joe says it, I think. But uh, in-bank. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> um, uh, and... And... Uh, Uh, And so that, that, but that is discretionary, like the Supreme Court, right? So all you have a right to is the panel appeal. And then there's a discretionary in in bank and then discretionary to the Supreme Court. Did any
0: of the circuit court cases that the court denied review in on Monday, right? Had any of them been uh, through an in-bank procedure or they were all just from panels, right? All panels. So the losers in those cases are not going through in bank. They're saying, I'm going to take my ball and go play in the Supreme Court. Uh, well, I don't know if they were if they tr- if they were denied in bank. I I, 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 know, Anthony, just I, I, don't,
1: I don't know. I don't believe so off the top of my head. I, I mean, well, that's in the Seventh
0: Circuit they definitely did because Judge Posner wrote that opinion in like nine days, and then within days they were at the Supreme Court already. They did not seek a yeah. bank review at it's all a, in the Seventh. In the circuit. Tenth
1: Circuit, did they did not. Um, for, I'm pretty sure Fourth Circuit they didn't.
2: Yeah. The, the, well, the point that I that I you know weirdly forgot a second ago was. Um, that, that pairs with the other, is that it's just, as, and this is nothing original, everybody's saying this, but it's just, it's almost impossible to imagine the Supreme Court ruling in favor of a marriage ban after it has let all
0: of these existing state marriage yeah. bans fall. The and. Sp- and, and, it's starting to make me nervous, because we're all lulling ourselves no, in it. Oh, it's impossible but, to imagine. But
2: there's nothing the Supreme Court can do in a future case to revive the Utah marriage ban. Right. It's unconstitutional. It's and, gone. And, 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 and I, so they have to pass another one, and then they say, oh, well, all the ones that we let say, well, you know, those were wrong rulings, and maybe they can reenact a marriage ban. There's just there's no way.
1: And, and, I, and I think, too, to go back to the argument of, you know, this doesn't do same-sex couples everywhere good, um, you know... I, Of course, there's a lot of debate, particularly in the abortion context, but there's some um, with desegregation that sometimes these interest groups and activists get – they're they're somewhat lulled um, and and, and they get into this – Um, position where they get a favorable court ruling, particularly from the Supreme Court, and then they become kind of laissez-faire about the implementation and some other issues. Um, And so there's been some political science work to suggest that part of the reason why you've seen some of this retroactive um, type political reactions or backlash um, that's not really successfully overcome to Supreme Court decisions is because these, these activists aren't in, intensely motivated and, and and
2: energized in
1: the same way that they would be if they were actively fighting.
2: Well, do you see a problem? I mean, do you actually see that problem occurring? So, so in particular with Roe. So you get Roe versus Wade. The Supreme Court purports to settle settle that question of abortion rights for the entire nation. Eventually, the, you know, the Supreme Court revisits it in Casey, and then there are a number of states which. Try to restrict abortion rights or to um, restrict access to abortion through all kinds of notification and clinic requirements, you know, basically making it harder and harder and harder where we know the reasons people are. They're not trying, they're succeeding. Well, you Up to know, now, they have been succeeding. That, that, I think that's, that's exactly correct. And you can see the latest stuff out of Texas to see, you know, what the actual burden is on a woman, uh, seeking an abortion now. And, um, but you can kind of see how that would happen because a ruling that you have a right to an abortion doesn't really specify the shape of that right and the extent of it. So too with desegregation, um, because the ways that people attend public schools are you know diverse, manifold? It's like you know you can do it by district, and how you do right. the districting affects the populations. And then if people in private markets decide to locate racially, right. then that affects how. Be, and so what it means? And how do things get funded? Is right. it state income so taxes? Is it, mean- it
0: property tax? Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And, the, and the Supreme Court kind of turned away the idea that you have a right to go to a school with equal funding. That was right. in the was Rodriguez case uh, a long time back. Um, but the uh, so it's 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 what it means to d- to deny a right to an abortion, and what it means to discriminate on the basis of race and education are both very kind of difficult to pin down terms, right? Whereas at least with marriage and there may be other issues involving discrimination against gays, which will be the equivalent of those things. And, and I'd like to hear, you know, your thoughts about that. But on the marriage question, this is just so obviously binary, right? Right. That it just seems like, if that's the dimension of similarity that you've been that, that people are pushing down, I just I don't see it, you know, because once you decide you can get married, it's like hard to imagine you could create different bundles of rights within within marriage.
1: Right. I mean, I think I think the argument would be if, if it does apply at all, the parallel would be you have these non-discrimination that's um, it, you yeah. know, laws yeah. that. Are severely lacking, particularly in the deep south and in the Midwest. Um, you have hate crimes legislation, which right now Pennsylvania is pushing through their legislature, um, but it's again lacking in, in a lot of other places. Um, I think the idea might be that if you if you kind of get these activists and organizations and, and lull, get them in a lull after or in the wake of a really just incredible uh, win in the Supreme Court, that somehow maybe these other things won't. Uh, you know, kind of suck the oxygen out of the room for these other things, and uh, maybe the movement on the whole will suffer. Now, I don't know if that's if that's really a legitimate critique or not, but that's certainly something that I have seen, um, and and the has been drawn between those. You know, yeah, the, the race other discrimination
2: ones. and 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 um um sexual orientation discrimination angle, I think is is a cause for concern in that you have to. I think there are some. Lessons to be drawn and some uh, some indications of, of maybe tough times to come. Uh, abortion as an issue seems to me so obviously different in character. You know, not to you know say which way or the other. You know, uh, or, or how exactly that ultimately should should work out. But um, you can kind of understand that people might have reasons which you wouldn't expect to die out over time. Reasons which you know. You wouldn't expect to die out as they get to know people on the other side of the fence for having strong convictions about that issue where, you know, gay marriage, like (laughs) how can you can understand how people who think that they don't know any gays and and have a, a kind of an image or, or fear or an image of gay sex as icky or whatever it is that is causing them to have this kind of stigma you can understand how maybe they would have that kind of prejudice about it but once you know people who are gay and as all the evidence seems to show and as all the demographic tends, trends to, tend to show like it seems really hard to muster up any kind of moral <laughs> you know, opposition to it and that seems to be dying off in a way that I would not expect to occur with uh, with abortion rights I mean yes you get to know women who have had abortions in difficult situations and you develop increased empathy for the difficulties of those situations. And yet still for some people, that empathy is going to compete with an, with an equally weighty moral principle about the right to life of something, you know, of a fetus that they consider to be a life. And that moral dilemma doesn't go away with the development of empathy. Unlike gay marriage, which is like, you know, basically the whole principle of opposition to begin with is that I think that the people who are doing it are degraded and icky or something else. And once that goes away, there's like no principle on the other side, right?
1: Right. I mean, we still live in a country, though, where I I forget what Pew or Gallup said a couple weeks ago, where some 40 plus percent of of Americans still think homosexuality is sinful. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And particularly a disproportionate number of those being in the Deep South. Um, you know, so while you're certainly going to have tremendous progress in, I think the vast majority of the country, um, I you know I would be weary to say you know there won't be pockets of more long standing resistance, but that speaks to the this idea of you know the movement can't be lulled in and and kind of act be you know um, take. Refuge in the courts all the time, yeah, um, and, and so you know whether or not the analogies are, are accurate, valid, perfect, you know that time will tell on on those mm-hmm. for sure, and that'll be the work of political scientists and legal historians and and hopefully a book that i'll write twenty years out from now and right um, hopefully at a fine institution, hopefully right? at a fine institution <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> accepting accepting offers yeah. Um. but no, we'll, we'll plug that again, we'll plug yeah, you again, don't worry yeah Anthony. yeah but yeah. but but I think. But I, but I think, you know, time, again, time will tell on those things. But, yeah. um, you know, the, the, as far as what, what's important now, I think, um, and maybe the court recognizes, the, the Supreme Court recognizes this, and maybe they don't. Um, but I think that there is a value in having more courts strike down these bans and, and really put up a, a, a complete full... Um, and and unified front and saying no, this type of discrimination is wrong. Um, yeah. You know, one more one more case from the Supreme Court might be nice. You know, and, and I wouldn't say no if if they took it up and wanted to write this really wonderful opinion. Um, but I, I certainly think that there's some social progress to be had when you get the Fifth Circuit, you yeah. know, coming down and saying no, um, or you get the Arkansas State Supreme Court coming down and saying no. Um, you know, that, that to me is, yeah, that's
0: a value I hadn't really considered yeah. as much. It's- if, if it happens and we, and it time will, as you say, time will tell, it remains to be seen. If the sixth circuit said, uh, these are, these are uh, unlawful, that, that would no. be great. I mean, Jeff Sutton, although he is uh, quite conservative, a, a George W. Bush appointee, Quite young, uh, forty-two, when he was appointed to the Sixth Circuit earlier in the two thousand. Yeah, I remember seeing him
2: speak in a, at, a, at a Federalism Conference yeah, and um, as a yeah, law student.
0: Very conservative guy. However, he's also wrote one of the first Circuit Court opinions um, rejecting the Commerce Clause challenge to the Affordable yeah. Care Act, mm-hmm. saying That's right. that this is a bunch of nonsense. And under it was our a very very interesting opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so who knows? I mean, maybe he'll write. Maybe he'll be the one to write it. Saying, look, uh, uh, these prohibitions on marriage equality are unconstitutional, so, and I think, so I think that like you, I think there would be great value in in those opinions happening and if of course, if they go the other way uh, and then there 's a circuit split or tantamount to one from a state supreme court, uh, then I think yeah there 's all the time in the world they can step in at that point and and, and, I, and I think fix again it, it. You know,
1: it. it bears you know, it 's worthwhile emphasizing again that. In addition to hopefully getting a series of, of more courts saying no, this type of discrimination is wrong, and really, you know, putting the hammer down on, on some of these states, you're, you're going to have a number of state political actors who will come out and and do it on their own. I mean, you have the Missouri Attorney General, who, um, you know, last week the the a Missouri state court trial court had said that the state of Missouri must recognize out of state marriages, and um, he declined to to appeal that. Um, you have another court case in, a, I believe it's St. Louis County Court, um, but that that's an attack on the entire marriage ban, and I suspect that the attorney general won't appeal that either. Now, I think there's some really good value in having political actors, in addition to courts, saying, we agree with the courts, we're going to stand and and reinforce their decision-making or their decisions on So if I had to put a label
2: on what you're saying, it's kind of like collaborative constitutional change, and the court is creating a breathing space for this kind of collaboration.
1: Well, in my my dissertation, (laughs) it's the Republican schoolmaster. Um, It's this idea that the courts are are professorial in nature, um, and they They really are there to teach people about you know traditions and customs and morals and values as as, you know our constitution, um,
2: but teacher um, in the best sense I imagine, teacher in the best sense, not in like in a a domineering kind of way, but but But, but in a uh, reminding way, right? But
1: much like in a law school class, it's Mm -hmm. it's it's to make people think and rethink and to encourage discussion and debate, but to not. But, to
2: shape that debate, this is Alexander um, Michael John, uh, of course, I mean the the court should be the nation 's teacher, not in a sense that it 's necessarily wiser than everybody else, but like it 's the institution that has the space and the right megaphone to remind us of important values that can kind of get lost in the shuffle of everyday democracy right. I guess. so yeah. so
1: I mean yesterday the um, the Republican chairman of the Mississippi House Judiciary Committee. Basically came out and said, "I don't support same sex marriage. You know, it's not not an issue I've ever you know supported or will. But we need to prepare ourselves that this is unconstitutional, and it's you know, Mississippi's ban is going. I saw that you tweeted that today. I yeah, think. yeah. So yeah. so yeah. those little things I think you know are important, and that's also again why I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, and I, I'm sympathetic to the arguments that the court did wrong by a lot of people. I, I understand that I have a lot of people who I know in Georgia who, you know, want to get married today if if they could. And and so I feel for, for the people who've been left out. But on a broad macro level, I, I understand that this type of process, though slow and deliberative as it you know, may seem, um, has benefits. It has the benefit of having folks like that. Signal to their constituencies, you need to give up yeah um, and, and you know the, of course you 're going to have outliers, south carolina uh, the kansas attorney general there there are a few who are who are going to be sticklers and but but on the whole um, you know i I, I certainly think you 're going to see. The, there's a more natural development here. It's more organic in a sense. You, you, this issue, for example, is still live in Georgia. So when you have an intern general debate coming up um, in a couple of days and you have the gubernatorial debates in the elections coming up, they're talking about marriage. Now, if I was here four years ago and I saw the primary um, between the, the GOP candidates yeah. and, for governor, um, and I saw the, the ads, just horribly anti-gay. But... You don't see any of those today, mm-hmm. despite the fact that the Democratic nominee is a is a full blown supporter of same sex marriage. Um, now, the fact that he's out there in Georgia talking about it, I think, is healthy for society. It's healthy for Georgia to see people, um, you know, running for office, not afraid to endorse it. And, you know, and if, and if you can keep that issue alive for a very short amount of time, of course, you know, if we were talking years before you got some resolution in Georgia, I'd be deeply troubled, but, yeah. but I just don't see But we all have the feeling
0: it. that we're not talking about we're years. Not, so that's we're not. We're talking about months. I think February. Yeah. Let me, say, <laughs> let me see if you think some response to what, some stuff you said before. So one, I'm not as sanguine about, uh, the, uh, the, the lack of an ideology that would continue to condemn same sex relationships, including, uh, same sex marriages, even after a judicial determination by the Supreme Court, it, it is because it is currently there are many people uh, of the Catholic faith in our country. The Catholic faith is squarely, at least right now, squarely on the side that homosexuality is an inherently disordered way of life, be a way of being, and sex but, outside but even, of marriage. All right. Is, I'll let
2: that, but that, of course, there's that. Can
0: I make? Yeah, let me make the point, it. Yeah, Right, yeah, which yeah. is that, that, this is a so this is a religious doctrine that is committed to the notion that uh, sexual relations between people of the same sex, because they have to be outside of marriage from the church's perspective, uh, it, it's it's condemnable for that reason as well. Uh, and I I don't know that that's going to change. Right, the the church may continue. Now there are all sorts of Catholic doctrinal. Uh, teachings that people routinely ignore, like the use of birth control okay? there 's <laughs> used hugely, including by Catholic people. Um, maybe people will ignore that too, right? and, and, and a lot are, and even the pope is like you know vacillates mm, on them. well there 's differences of view about what like he, he has signaled a greater flexibility and a greater openness, but he hasn 't said anything that would suggest that he disagrees with the catholic church 's pr- principle. You know, catechistic moral teaching. that this is inherently I'm I'm not but I
2: imagine there's a political economy within Catholicism that works similarly to the kind of that's the point I'm making. That's the point I'm making. There's
0: a political economy within these institutions that says it's not just like some other issue where people are like, oh, okay, I guess we should all just get over it. Right? right. there are institutions that are going to continue to be committed yeah. to the principles they've already articulated which do not view this as a positive development. I well, do not they, think they yeah, will be they, silent in the wake of are, it. I don't gonna, know. See
1: I, I I think so, particularly with Catholic organizations, what's interesting is you know, you, you, you routinely see the hierarchy and, you know, the the people who um you know who some who are weekly mass goers and others who aren't you know Mm -hmm. truly differ there's a big disconnect but i but you know even in the organization so i think notre dame for example is a really great example of what might happen so now notre dame is is in a situation they're in 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 indiana and indiana now has same-sex marriage uh after the seventh circuit's decision and yesterday they came out and said we believe in you know, marriage as being a sacrament between a man and a woman because it recognizes you know these procreation you know interests and values blah, blah 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 blah. But we also believe in the adherence to civil law and recognize that you know this is the law of the land and we will comply when and uh, you know give our faculty and staff the appropriate right you know, required benefits. Now I think that's that's amazing, right? Because that that really leads the pathway to, to what I think folks should have always been understanding the difference between civil law and marriage right. as a contract and marriage as a religious, you know, sacrament or, or, or a religious, you know, a religious, um, uh, you know, institution, yeah. um, that, and the two aren't one and the same. Um, you know, and, and, if that, if you continue to have that develop over time and, and people will start to realize that, you know, the church has its prerogatives and civil law has its prerogatives, you know, maybe you won't see quite the you know the the you know the the resistance to civil marriage equality because I think a lot of people just can't disconnect the two. Right.
2: Um, <clears throat> but when it is disconnected, then obviously I, and legally, then like you learn to live with it, and you say, "Oh, <laughs> you yeah, said, nothing's and, really changed." Right. Uh, and and, yeah. and
1: and so um, you know, and I think the other flare up that people tend to to point to is the implications of. Um, same-sex marriage and how it interplays with public accommodations law. That seems right. to be the other anti-discrimination, uh, public right. accommodations. Yeah. Um, and so that tends to be the, the other front. But, you know, the truth of the matter is is that the states that have enacted same-sex marriage by legislation have taken great care to, to create narrow exemptions for um, these religious organizations from having to celebrate, solemnize, or, you know, um, facilitate marriages that don't drive um, with their religious beliefs. And and, and I think the the you know, LGBT community has been pretty supportive of those and states um, have enacted them. There's a core of, of exemptions and I, I would anticipate that states like Georgia or you know Virginia or, or North Carolina that don't have a, a LGBT inclusive public accommodations law would also look to include those. Um, Were there ever attempts to
2: have those kinds of exemptions for interracial marriage? Not I, not to my knowledge, yeah, um, I, I don't know either. And so maybe we need another show just about anti discrimination right. in the but wake of, course there's of, always of gay been, marriage. There's but- always
1: been religious um, you know, exemptions in, in civil rights law. I mean, that's yeah, been a yeah. that's been a kind of a hallmark of, of civil rights um, uh, history. Yeah, but but you know, the, importantly here is that they you know these have been narrow and they've been really thoroughly considered and vetted and and, and thoughtfully crafted. Um, you know, to ensure that. You know, folks who are operating in the religious sphere in the nonprofit world get their very temporarily limited exceptions, mm-hmm. and those who are operating in, in the for profit realm don't. Um, you know, so so you don't you, you can preserve and balance the, the rights of religious objectors. But you also preserve the dignity of, of same-sex couples to go um, and, and secure goods and services in the public in the, in the right. public square.
0: And I would think that in states that have uh, in states that now have marriage equality by virtue of a judicial decision rather than a legislative enactment, at least initially, there probably will be legislative work in those states to create. Things like those exemptions, since they haven't addressed the issue yet, so they'll be they'll be uh, doing some of that additional work to uh, take further account of these changes. I, I do think it's an irony that, um, given the number of states that were are, that already have uh, same sex marriage uh, or are about to in short order, um, and given the fact that it's not. The majority of states, I think it's not the majority, maybe it's a bare majority of states that prohibit discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. There are going to be, if there aren't already, a number of states where you can get married and the very next day get fired for it. And there won't be a thing you can do about it. Mm -hmm. You'll be fired and that won't be a ground that you could say to your employer, look, you can't fire me on that basis. You can't fire me on the ground that I'm a gay person. Uh, it's lawful for me to marry. Well, I know it's lawful. Congratulations. I'll get the hell out of here. Right. That's mm-hmm. going to be perfectly lawful in some states. That's going to have to change, too. Right. That's going right. to have to get addressed.
1: And, of course, we also have to look at um, how the EEOC is going to handle Title VII cases going forward, because there's certainly been a push um, to to start classifying sexual orientation discrimination cases under sex-based discrimination, yeah. right.
0: um, and, and, and in the marriage context, there's a particularly good argument that that's the right way to handle it. I right. mean, the Ninth Circuit opinion, which came out, I guess it was Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a concurrence by Judge Burson, which is entirely about this theory. And this is right. like,
2: I remember when I was in taking con law in the year 2000 See, the
0: argument's an old argument
2: and, and i remember you know jed rubenfeld standing up and saying you know one of the problems with these laws against gay marriage is they are patently gender discrimination like right. as a man you can you can only marry a woman and you're forbidden from uh marrying a, a man and that's just, right. it's a gender discrimination like whether it's an unconstitutional one is a further question but it definitely is a discrimination so this you know
0: it, it's patent right and, uh, yeah I mean, I think the argument's been there for a long time uh, and that's interesting to hear that the e e o c might may, may have to grapple with that in terms of a title seven issue uh, I just think that we're, the, the non-discrimination piece of this you're right we, we need to do another episode about it because it's a, it's a whole nother set of questions that are now very pressing in a way they haven't been up to now I, they've been very pressing but not now they're just intense it's an intense disconnect to say in our state you, the constitution requires that you let people marry um, same-sex partners and it also is perfectly okay for your employer to fire you on that basis that's nuts yeah, it right? pushes that can't on, go on.
2: What does it mean to have the freedom right. to marry? And and
0: yeah, you just have to pay for it with your job. Yeah, right.
2: that's, and well, that's, that's crazy. That's,
1: that's the other place I think we're going to see this tension, particularly with uh, religious institutions and, and religious schools, where you see, and that's where a lot of these EEOC cases are also kind of percolating out of, um, is whether the church you know the churches and these religious organizations will start to see the difference between folks you know availing themselves of a constitutional right um to seek uh or to to apply and and receive a marriage license with someone of the same sex um and whether that they can distinguish that be- between that and the sacrament and mm-hmm. um you know maintain employment regardless of what what their employees do um, and of course you 're going to see the ministerial exception come back up and right. re litigate and um, because there 's been some schools that have said well everyone's everyone 's covered under the ministerial exception, even our gym teachers, which yeah. well, I mean I think is patently nuts um, you know to, to suggest that
2: but they 're trying to create you know they speak in terms of cre- the creation of an entire community right right rather than particular functions and so, I, I, we are going to need a whole show we 'll have to have More anthony, anthony back on that show too but uh, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about on this show um, because you know friends of the show, plural, Dahlia Lithwick and Sonya West, former guests. I, I would call them oral argument regulars, mm. wouldn't Did you, too? Joe? They're regulars, absolutely. Yeah, of course. basically they're co-hosts. Well, so they weren't irregulars. So oral argument co-hosts, uh, Dahlia Lithwick and Sonya West. Wrote, <laughs> co-hosts. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, sometimes, sometimes they host. Sometimes we host. It's just the way it goes. You yeah. know, it's just a, it's an institution. Oral argument, but anyway, it's a community. Uh, right. I, I digress. Uh, they wrote an article in Slate about the basically the mess uh, that the cert denial leaves, right? Um, and and they they drew they drew a um, a comparison to the um, to the length of time it took uh, the Supreme Court to get to the state of Georgia about the um, uh, Troy Davis execution, right? That there was like there, there wasn't a, a sense of like how their procedural. Workings were affecting real human lives, and, and they're not the same situation at all. They, it was striking that they made uh, that comparison, I think, but uh, they're talking in terms of the human cost of just like this week and next week and the week after, until this gets sorted, like all this uncertainty has a human cost to it. Sure. Now, maybe that human cost buys as I kind of think it does. Yeah, speed this out. It, buys it has a, benefits. Yeah, I think it buys a much speedier resolution to the problem than taking the case actually but and a different it,
0: resolution it's qualitatively different because it involves more political actors right more yeah. of these micro developments that but, all accumulate in a particular way to make it more enduring yeah
2: i just wanted to spend the last uh, few minutes here talking about that actual you know what's happening especially you know I, i'm drawn to thinking about south carolina right. because in south carolina you had um the um uh, i forget which official it was in Charleston who. Said okay, w- county, yeah. It, what, county what was probate, it?
1: The county probate judge.
2: Okay, and he was uh, issuing marriage licenses because, mm. like, well, it's the law of the circuit. It's the federal constitutional law applicable to me says that marriage bans are unconstitutional, and uh, and then some other counties followed suit. But then the South Carolina Attorney General, uh, who I tweeted at, <laughs> uh, stepped in and said, you know, our case. We have a case in the federal courts in the District of South Carolina. I suppose. Um, Challenging our marriage ban, and and that marriage ban has not yet been ruled unconstitutional, and therefore that ban is still in effect.
0: And didn't he ask the South Carolina Supreme Court to they, prohibit the lower court? He did, and, judges and, and, they, did, and they did. They, they, did, they did, did exactly
2: that by saying, essentially, essentially that that there is a until our specific marriage ban has been struck down by the district court of, in South Carolina, or the court of appeals, or the Supreme Court. Um, it is still in effect. Um, now, I have to say this seems... It's related to kind of arguments that came up in Windsor when the uh, members of Congress and the Black wanted to represent um, the a defense of the Defense of Marriage Act. They wanted to um, defend DOMA when the president basically refused to do so, right? And one of the issues uh, uh, that arose in that case was to what extent do executive officials have to defend statutes that they think are constitutional it's a it 's not exactly that issue, but the question is when there has been a ruling that laws this is this is why it 's a i think it 's not just that the the uh the probate judge in in uh, in charleston has a, has a conviction that it's right. unconstitutional. He's reading the Fourth Circuit opinion and yeah. says, "Hey, that that speaks to our law,
0: which is now final and unappealable any further." I mean, it's been denied. But it was by not. It court. was
2: not a ruling specifically as to the South Carolina right. law, although it did reference it and said right. it was similar. Right. Right. Um, so it's a very interesting question to me: what the responsibility is of local and state officials, and particularly what is the what is a judge in Charleston supposed to do when the state supreme court says <laughs> you must enforce a law? that it's very clear that the 4th circuit had just said it's unconstitutional even if not directly i'm not actually even sure whether the probate judge in charleston is immune from a 1983 suit if he or she refuses to grant a marriage license just because the south carolina supreme court said to wait you know what i mean because to me the the 4th circuit ruling is unambiguous the mar- and there's nothing i don't think that the south you don't carolina
0: think there's an immunity there for-
2: why would there be an immunity I mean, I, the, the truth is, I'm not an expert in 1983. I do not know the ins and outs. This is the civil rights uh, uh, statute that gives uh, individuals a right to sue state officials who violate their constitutional rights under, under color of state, state law. law. Yeah. And there are a whole bunch of immunities, in, you know, including qualified immunity and, 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 and the rest. And so there may well be. I don't in fact, know you it, see though. in
1: Kansas, the Office of, of Judicial Administration in Kansas told uh, county clerks to refer any marriage applications to the state county judges, who would then have to render the decision um, to to accept or deny them, um, mm-hmm. so that they could insulate the clerks from from any from liability, um, yeah, any liability. So, I, so I, you know, what's interesting is, you know, of course, there's the civil procedure folks who would say, you know, as a matter of, you know, regular order, you know, this this makes sense, um, and then of course there's the folks who would say, yeah, but you're you're really flouting the spirit, if not the letter of the law, right? Um, you know, it, it's difficult. You know, on one hand, you see, it's it's hard to justify. And even this kind of idea of well, law and order requires the the district court in South Carolina to issue an injunction before we can formally order clerks to to accept these applications from same sex couples. Um, you know, it's just procedure, and that's that. Um, you know, it's hard to to look at what the South Carolina Attorney General is doing and say, yeah, that, that's okay, whatever. Um, when you see the Attorney General and the Governor in West Virginia say, we understand what the Fourth Circuit's decision really means, right. done. The law um, is normative. It tells us
0: what right. we should do and and they've clearly spoken. Let me put it this way. And it's not partisan either because the Governor of West Virginia is a Democrat, I believe. Mm-hmm. The, the Attorney General is a Republican. It's not about that. They, As you say, they look at what the Fourth Circuit has held. They understand what their duty is under that opinion. There is no colorable argument. That the West Virginia case would come out differently, and so they say, "Let's get on with it." To that's, me, it's that's the same being lawful.
2: What if South Carolina enacted today a new ban on interracial marriage? Now, Loving would seem to say that that is unconstitutional, and maybe someone would sue immediately and get a stay. I mean, maybe, but if that were in effect for even one day. And someone said, well, I can't allow you uh, because one of you is black and the other is white. I can't grant you a a marriage license because we don't have a ruling on this specific statute. I think everybody would say nonsense because what's firmly established is the constitutional law of the United States is that you cannot discriminate on the basis of the race of spouses.
1: The the other issue in South Carolina, and that's that's not present, for example, in Kansas, um, South Carolina did have a pending... Challenge to their marriage bans in federal court, which was um, which was put off the active do- docket um, pending resolution of, of the Bostic case out of Virginia, right. um, and the judge this week uh, issued a sponte order uh, to, to put it back on the active docket and and then uh, called for additional briefing. So, so, so there you know there, there certainly the mechanisms were put in motion. By the federal court in South Carolina last week uh, to, to put basically put a bow on on it and and tell South Carolina to follow. Um, so so South Carolina, you know, I. I I don't know what to make of it quite yet, because it, it certainly, you know, of course, my sympathy lies with the probate judge. And yeah. I think, you know, and I also think that the Attorney General should drop the, the defense of the ban immediately. I mean, it doesn't make yeah, any so sense. Has he,
0: has he indicated that he has any inclination other than to simply follow through vigorously with a, t- I, with a challenge to the attack on the ban?
1: That's,
2: uh, that's my understanding. So he's, he's going gonna... to
0: defend the state law to the hilt until he reaches a final unappealable well, order. I think that's...
2: what's interesting is what he will say. Does he try to relitigate the Virginia case, or does he have any colorable argument whatsoever that upholding the South Carolina ban is consistent with the ruling so, out of Virginia? So,
1: what you see in, in North Carolina today, um, Attorney General, Roy Cooper, said back in uh, June or whenever it was, uh, the Virginia case was handed down by the Fourth Circuit. Uh, he he said, "Well, I don't have a case anymore. I'm not going to defend a clearly unconstitutional law, which he had he had defended North Carolina's constitutional amendment banning marriage yeah. um, up until that point. Uh, and and so now you now you're we're back in in district court. Um, you know, all the parties are have, have conceded that it's not unconstitutional, and all of a sudden you have the attorney or the uh, the Senate president and the Speaker of the House." Um, trying to intervene. Right. Um, and interestingly, uh, their argument, which you might see reappear in South Carolina, is that the Virginia case con- effectively conceded Baker uh, is still the law of the land, or, or they didn't argue um, that Baker... W- let me go back. The Virginia case, they effectively conceded that Baker was no longer a good law, meaning that... There was uh, that there was a federal constitutional question with regard to whether same-sex marriage was constitutionally mandated. So in North Carolina now, these legislative leaders um, are asserting that the Baker decision is still binding on on North Carolina, and so there's no and they haven't waived the argument. They haven't waived the argument. So there's no there's no federal question, and the court needs to to consider that in full. it seems to you know, that seems
2: really weird. It is right? very weird. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, it's it is, highly formalistic. It's say, right? well, yeah, it's saying because that the- Baker
0: against Nelson is on the. It's it's if it wasn't on a thin read before, it sure as hell is after Monday, yeah. right? Because you now have uh, the Supreme Court. Now, true denials of cert are not decisions on the merits, and I grant that. But that's not the test, right? For whether a Dismissal like Baker, which isn't a full court hearing. It's this summary determination. This right? is by the Supreme Court, right? Correct. I mean, in in 1972, summary... we we say there's no uh, uh, substantial federal question about that... about the right to gay marriage. Correct. This is the only word
2: we have from the Supreme Court before. Um, right. uh, before uh, Perry but and But it's Windsor, half a word. Right? It's
0: not even a word. I, I agree. I just, a- and yeah. the test for whether it's stare decisis in some way is actually a very, min- as I understand it, it's a very minimal threshold to eliminate it as a matter of concern, right? If there's a substantial change in the underlying doctrines, it's not good law anymore. Right. Sure. So, if Which, any- by the way, is what every circuit court has held that's been asked so far. Right.
1: So, I mean, anyone who's been semi-conscious since the early 90s mm-hmm. would well know about Romer and Lawrence and, right. and Windsor and, you know, so so,
2: the series of decisions it, it, upholding gay rights in various uh, areas and right, various right. fields. So yeah. we're
1: certainly, you know, we are not in the Bowers area anymore. Which you know, I, I, they're grasping at straws. But oh, <laughs> um, you know, and 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 the, and the judge in the Middle District of, of North Carolina today basically said um, something to the effect in a, in an order that you know, I Fourth Circuit's binding. I, we all recognize this. So basically. Uh, plain, you know, plaintiffs give me if you know, the final go ahead. Um, so yeah. I, you know, I, I, I don't think he's really even going to entertain the idea. And I think Monday, I, th- I think Monday at three o'clock was the the deadline he gave for for uh, additional briefing. But effectively Monday, yeah. that's you know, he's going to dispense with the case. Yeah, I mentioned
2: to some friends. I mean, this is basically some people are going to make the political calculation that they want to be like the captain. He goes into the wheelhouse, closes the door, straightens his jacket, holds on to the, the wheel and just waits for the ship to go down, right? Uh, right? Partly because they don't actually go down with the ship. They get to live another political day and they get to take credit for having gone down with the ship, right? And we'll see sure. what kind of calculations people make. It's actually quite heroic in some of these instances when it seems like it would have been politically beneficial to fight, you know, a clearly losing battle that at least some um, conservatives, people who might otherwise have had objections in the past have been willing to say, let's put this behind us. And I don't know how much of that is based on demographics and looking to the future and how much is just based on, uh, conviction, maybe independent conviction about the righteousness of the, uh, of the gay marriage cause and how much is just about like, you know, the country needs to move on. And this is an issue decided. I think it's fascinating though. And, and I particularly think it's, I, I think the South Carolina, I keep coming back to it because it is It is so – and maybe our listeners um, and maybe most law professors most places and not me have like an immediate either intuition or knowledge about how these cases should come out. But in a case where it's not an individual officer of the state with like an independent conviction – about constitutional rights which has never been decided by any court like these you know ones about like i won't allow drones to fly over my jurisdiction or i'm not gonna i'll find independently unconstitutional some order about doing background checks on guns and therefore i won't do it like so that kind of independent conviction or an independent conviction that uh like like obama had that gay marriage was unconstitutional i have an independent judgment about that and therefore i'm not going to defend it um it's it's not like that at all these are cases in which there is a ruling. That seems to speak directly to the ban. And the question is like, do you, it's not, do they make an independent inference about the meaning of the constitution in a vacuum? It's do they make the independent inference about the application of a, of a rule in the circuit to their case? <laughs> right. And that right. I think you have to do as an, as a government official. I think you have to make those kinds of legal inferences in order to carry out your legal duties. Otherwise you get into this thing again where what if, like I said, what if, what if South Carolina reenacted the interracial marriage ban? I think there would be 1983 suits. I don't think they could say we have to wait for that to work its way through the court system.
0: Um, but I, I don't know. Am I am I crazy? Well, it is an interesting it's interesting that you mentioned that it's a particular example, because another item that's been in the news recently is that the Republican nominee for attorney general of Wisconsin in the upcoming uh, election uh, recently argued the other day that if because he was asked um, that if he were back in the 1960s and his state had a ban on interracial marriage, that he would defend it till the last. And that's, you know, this is an interesting with, question. With, in other words, his contention was, yeah. I have no independent judgment to exert about yeah. whether I should challenge it or not, or whether I should defend my state law or not. I have to defend the law of my state. That's the job of being the AG. Interestingly, a job he does not yet have he's running for this is his job interview as <laughs> right, it were, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. and what you're telling me is you totally don't understand the job right? well, i think yeah. I
1: think you know and this has been my argument in Georgia in particular um, you know of course they have they have a duty and, and they swear an oath to uphold their state constitutions Georgia's attorney general does that, but he also swears to uphold the u s constitution and, and and so including the supremacy clause and, correct so <laughs> so uh, you know at some point you know uh, and this is where I, you know, I, I, I struggle because I certainly understand the slippery slope argument of well, you know, if you just have this lawlessness where attorneys general won't, uh, or, you know, they get to just unilaterally decide what they will and will not defend, you know, I, you know, I, I, I just at this point though, there's just no, no viable argument to suggest that the court will come and the court will reverse course. You know, yeah, it's just that you've got a like
2: I said, you've got a decision that
0: speaks directly to right. this case, and from that very court, the hmm. Fourth Circuit has reached a decision. What right? I find, it's like, not going to change right. its mind. Supreme Court might overturn it someday. I mean, we haven't been talking about you know if the Supreme Court grants a review a year from now and decides, whoops, the Constitution. <laughs> well, that's the piece I was, I was talking equality. about that seems
2: inconceivable because of the like. You have all these bans
0: which have been struck down, which the Supreme Court would be saying, go ahead and oh, reenact them. You said that before. It, yeah. th- th- there's actually an interesting scholarly debate in the Roe context about whether you have to reenact things or whether they spring back into existence once a Supreme Court decision overturns a lower court decision, that, declaring it unconstitutional. I there's wish, actually serious scholarly debate about that. Really? Yes. I wish
2: I'd never heard that because that sounds insane. Okay. but but I, Which just means I should read it because it would probably be fascinating. Yeah. Um, but it it sounds crazy to me that well anyway
0: uh, uh, talk talk about zombies (laughs) they haven't been they're not they're not haven't been amended out of the you know the utah constitution the the whatever constitution so the idea is that
2: they're lying in a crypt somewhere and if the things change then they could come back as undead statutes it's
0: it's like solo in the in the carbonite right it's like (laughs) that's yeah he's no zombie he's solo right exactly but he's gonna be blind when he wakes up (laughs) but it's still you know so these amendments will be a little shaky but though but they would still exist right that's 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 yeah. That's. Well, I
1: mean, I mean, what Alabama's state constitution had a marriage ban in it until two very recently, um, and South Carolina was the late nineties, I think, and right. and um, you know that's Mississippi's true. might still be in there. Um, yeah, Georgia's Georgia's is um, Georgia. So Georgia has a, a, a unique constitutional provision that says social status shall never be the, um, the subject of legislation, um, which the Georgia Supreme Court interpreted back in the late 1800s as being a permanent prohibition on interracial marriage. Um, huh. Still in the Georgia state constitution. Um, <laughs> you,
0: you, look, you look quizzical. <laughs> I, I just don't get the textual connection there. How could that be a marriage ban?
1: Well, they, they interpreted it as uh, effectively uh, banning any kind of pro-integration race relation, you know, pro-race relations, uh, you know, improvement. Type this is this is legislation. Uh, interracial
2: marriage is affirmative action.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, pr- pr- there, there's an argument that some folks have made um, that it even bans any any type of civil rights law um i think we've now reached the satire portion of the show (laughs) (laughs) but but yeah that's uh i was just gonna add one thing (laughs) that i
2: think that the um uh what's interesting about this particular kind of case is that first of all i'm a big believer in roles and and you know that that when you occupy a role it calls for a different kind of behavior than when you occupy a different role yep and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing false about it it's just that you have obligations to the institutions uh um, with respect to the roles that you occupy within those institutions, and those obligations can be strong enough to overcome other kinds of obligations you sure. know and um which is I think I read a, a blog post about this one time you know so if you're the president of the university of georgia your your kind of your obligation to be discreet about some things and your obligation to say certain things is very different than if you 're like a faculty member like you and I are sure. uh, or or a student right These are just different mm-hmm. roles and and within a constitutional structure. Yes, I understand. You have uh, if everybody were a law unto him or herself, it would be chaos. Right. But, but 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 that's but, yeah. that's
1: where I think people don't parse the difference between defense and enforcement quite right. enough. Because you know I, I understand the idea that you know attorneys general are saying, oh well, you know if we don't enforce, it's just lawlessness. I might be able to buy that argument as being a credible one if you're also willing to concede when something's not constitutional. So for me, I think the Attorney General of Georgia should go into court and say, you know, here's my attorney, you know, here's a member of my office. He's still defending the ban, but I as Attorney General am going I'm going to be faithful to my oath of office and I'm not going to defend the constitutionality of this. So court, I'm going to ask you to invalidate it. But you know, I'm still going to enforce it until a court of competent jurisdiction invalidates it. You know, there might be ways where you could make a reasonable argument to say, "I'm trying to uphold the rule of law, but I am also trying to be faithful to the, you know, the constitutional yeah, requirements." I, and of I my think office. that's a good
2: argument in a Windsor-type case with DOMA, where there hadn't been a ruling. I think it's not a great argument in the South Carolina case, unless. And maybe there is unless there's some colorable difference between the South Carolina ban and the Virginia ban, then maybe you could litigate on that basis, but if that does not exist, then i don't think it's a constitutional yeah, act. I to think, try to I think it. South
1: Carolina is a different story you yeah know, in I mean, Georgia of yeah. course you know we don't we don't have't have' a we don't have, a, law. Yeah, we don't yeah, have yeah. a certain precedent we don't even have a district court. That's, it's totally so different, so yeah. I certainly think that that would be the you know. Perhaps the more, quote unquote, respectable approach, Um, you know, so that he can save face on one hand, but also do what's what's but I don't think it's
0: responsible for a state attorney general, even in a state law, Georgia, where there is no circuit case on point. I don't think it's responsible for that person as this uh, attorney general nominee for the Republican Party in Wisconsin said, I don't have to make a judgment, right? I don't have any professional judgment to bring to bear on the question whether I will defend the constitutional statute. He made it sound like it was just like automatic. You know, if I'm in that office, I am compelled to always defend, always and forever until a court rules against me, the constitutional state statute. I just don't think that's right because it depicts the attorney general of the state as not having any independent professional judgment to bring to bear. This is separate and apart from the fact that. You know, you, I think an attorney general ought to conceive their job as doing justice as much as simply getting some legally correct answer that you can't actually substantively defend. Yeah, um, like seeking a, a a criminal penalty even when you have overwhelming evidence the person's actually innocent. Right. I think that's a miscarriage of justice, and attorney generals shouldn't do that.
1: I think that also requires institutional reform to state attorney or attorneys general, you know, as an institution or as an mm-hmm. office, because, you know, in Georgia and, and as in South Carolina and other states, it's seen as the, the, the stepping stone to, to becoming governor. right? Um, and so there's less incentive to do justice and more incentive to do what's politically, um, you know, what's politically expedient. Right. Um, so for me I I you know I certainly look to other states and and say okay you know is there a better way um you know does the New Jersey attorney general being an appointed official do a better job at, at you know dispensing of justice than than someone who's you know just looking out for for votes um you know that I don't know if that's you know putting the you know, an attorney general too close to being a judicial officer. Right. Um, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But- of course,
0: even an appointed attorney general could have an eye on the political future. They might right. think, wait, you know, as soon as I'm done with this, when the governor leaves office, I'll go do something else. Then I'll run for office myself. So you can't, I mean, unless you out and out prohibited an attorney general from holding a future political office, you can't neutralize the p- fact that they might have their right. eye on politics. Right. Right. So do you, um, do you know what time it is? It's it's time to it's time ta- it's time to end the show. Absolutely, it's, uh, this show, and we're gonna. It's yeah. been rigorous. It's been vigorous. <laughs> is there? It's been downright fantastic. <laughs> is there, I was gonna say is down. Is there something else that runs? <laughs> there is, and I, is I ran anything? out. <laughs>
2: um, uh, Anthony, this has been fantastic. Um, now, uh, I I think we said so at the beginning, but that may part may be cut out, and I might not have even been even been recording at that point. But, um, you know, Anthony, Christ, as uh. Uh, a PhD student in SPIA here at the University of Georgia, is looking to go on the law teaching market, you would love to have a visiting assistant professor job, right? A VAP job. Yeah, sure. You'd be great for it. Love it. I think you'd be great for it. Um, (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. But, but people can get to, you know they can look you up we're going to link you all up in the show notes uh, so people can yep. can see, can see yep. where you live and everything but you're also Anthony Kreiss uh, on Twitter how, how do is it uh, it's Anthony M. Kreiss okay so Anthony just like you would think mm-hmm. right with, with the H not like you know that's right Anthony right. and Cleopatra right so Anthony mm-hmm. and Anthony
1: just M and M. then K-R-E-I-S just like it sounds just
2: one S just one S just one S just one, S. Just one. Mm-hmm. and um, and well great that's it that's all I got thank guys All right, bye. I've turned it back on. We're recording, Joe. (laughs) You can't stop it. So why did I turn it back on? Because as soon as we turned it off, late breaking news. I said February. this This whole thing may be done by the end of next week. Gay marriage all across the country at the end of the next week. No, probably not. But North Carolina... Came in right after I hit the stop button, mm-hmm. or maybe while we were talking. While, we were, they, while we were talking, and what did they, so, what, what they say, Anthony?
1: Um, so the proposed motion to intervene from the legislat- legislators w- was denied, mm-hmm. um, and then the I'm just reading it now. Um, yeah, and then we have a, we have an order striking striking down um, Amendment One mm-hmm. and enjoining the state from enforcing it. So done. Couples are getting married as we speak. It looks like Asheville, the, the the county in Asheville, Charlotte, and and maybe even uh, Wake County, Raleigh, are, are staying open late.
2: See, I I feel like if I hit the stop button and we pour a beer or something like that, there'll be another state.
1: It probably will be. Yeah, maybe South Carolina. <laughs> well, it's,
2: guys, it's some, I, when, do you know when that one's going back on the calendar?
1: Um, they're they're next week. Okay. Um, so. Also, Alaska might be. There was a or, there were oral arguments were. Uh, there was a he- hearing today um, in Alaska, so there might be developments coming from Alaska soon, but we might have two more states under the belt by the end of the day.
2: See, this is why you never hit the stop button on oral argument, because late-breaking news, right, Joe? He-, he didn't want me to hit record. You're not going to talk. You're done. <laughs> okay. Oh, Joe. Okay, we're back on. This is the show that will not end, and it will not end because as so- I-, I I was joking, but as soon as we hit the stop button... Anthony, what happened?
1: <laughs> so uh, now we had we have a the uh, stay that we had in Idaho um, was lifted by Justice Kennedy. Um, so marriages in Idaho will will start right away. Um,
2: progress is coming. It's 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 um it's amazing. I feel like if we talk a little bit longer, we might get yet one Mike, more state. Might at Ala-
1: Mike Alaska by the time we're we're done. Could that happen tonight? Um, well Alaska had a hearing. Uh, I believe it was one o'clock their time. So that'd be five o'clock Eastern time. If, mm-hmm. if my time. Yeah. I think it's four are, hours because Alaska
2: time zone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so there might, there might be some developments there, um, but before the end of the day, but, uh, you know, at least, uh, you know, it, I'm not surprised because we we're talking before, before we started recording a little bit, um, you know, that the, the ninth circuits mandate was issued pretty much right away. Uh, as soon as the the decision was, was handed down on Tuesday, and normally the the state has would have seven days, or the mandate wouldn't be issued until seven days after um, the state either failed to appeal or 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 at, or petition for en banc. So so I think that you know, and I said this before, some people pushed back on me a little bit, but I, I think that the stay from the Supreme court in Idaho was really about process yeah. and it had nothing to do with substance um, because that, that's what, you know, this whole entire cert denial process I, or, or kind of, I, I think motivation has been about, it's about being slow and deliberative and giving flooding, everything flesh out fully. And, and so when you truncate the process as the ninth circuit kind of did um, yeah. on Tuesday, I don't think, you know, I think the court's really saying, listen, let it flush out, but substantively, you know, we're, we're holding strong. Yeah. So.
2: cool, Amazing.
0: It's a fire hose of equality. <laughs>
2: you're, just, you're just trying to get show titles in now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good one. <laughs> Come on. Can we think of any other quirky phrases?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I did my bit. All right. For king and country. You top it.
2: I have to end this one the same oh joe all right <laughs> <laughs>